Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good morning and welcome to this episode of the Black Tuesday podcast. Normally, I have a vague idea, an outline of topics. But my guest right now, you know, she is more of a off-the-cuff just going to see where it goes type of person. One of the funniest people on social media and one of the nicest people on social media. See, good morning. How are you? I am good. How are you? I am good. I am looking at a blank piece of paper in front of me and no idea where this is going to go. So (laughs) we're just going to just take it as it comes. Now, people don't know you are a dietitian and I have questions, so I'm just going to just top of my head. This is weird to me. Um, but <laughs> what is the biggest misconception about being a dietitian that people have? Uh, I would say it's that we are the food police. Um, and that's not to say that those types of dietitians don't exist, because, of course, there will always be people on that end of the spectrum. But for the most part, we're in the business of, helping people learn how to include all foods into their diet to help them sustain a healthy life or treat, manage, prevent whatever chronic illnesses they may have concerns about. So we're less about telling people no and more about telling them, yes, this is how you do it. See, that surprises me because I was of the mind of, you know, thinking that, Dietitians were the food police. Say, nope, none of this, none of this, none of this, none of this. But yet you articulated what people can do. And I think that people respond more to yes than no as far as food choices. And when you peruse social media and you see the amount of, I guess, food fallacy, lies, just things, what annoys you most? What pisses you off? Um, I think my biggest frustration comes from two parts. Um, One is people who will believe anything they 
hear or read. So those people who maybe they they heard a snippet of something on the radio or a snippet of something on TV or they just blindly trust whatever is in the media, um, you know, about maybe fad diets, keto diet or Atkins, um, all of those kind of newfound things, you know, that kind of pop up every year and then die away. My And my second big frustration comes from the misconceptions surrounding diabetes. As a dietitian, my specialty area is diabetes, and I will always fight against misinformation in the nutrition realm as well as in diabetes because I think people are unfairly judged for the food they eat and the conditions they live with. So it's really important to me that I correct as much of that wrong information as I can. Now, when people think of diabetes, they think of it's, you know, if you calm down on the sugar intake, you should be fine. And that's the, that's actually a harmfully untruthful statement, but it's prevalent. Mm-hmm. If you had to define diabetes for a layman, how would you put that into a scope that folks can understood can understand, I should say? When speaking in terms of generalities, I usually tell people it's a defect of the pancreas. So either your pancreas makes insulin, but it's not as effective, or your pancreas doesn't make insulin at all. And so the defect is within an organ, not within something the person is or is not doing. We tend to get blamed for the diseases and things that we have, and so that's why I try to work very hard to make sure that there's no blame on the individual, that the, the quote-unquote blame lies within that failed organ inside their body. Now, and yet people still go about the, well, I'm going to do this and do that. When you see, you have mentioned different diets and stuff, why are people so amenable to diets as far as taking things way to the extreme? I think it's because our feelings of self-worth, our comfortableness in our own skin is based very much on how we look. We've been inundated with these ideas of what it takes to be pretty or handsome, what you have to look like, sound like, act like to be accepted. And so it's very easy prey to say, if you follow this diet, you will achieve those things. And everyone is looking for that magic bullet, that really quick, easy thing that they can do that will get them where they want to go. And it, the unfortunate side with diet is that there isn't one. It's whatever food fits within your lifestyle and the goals you're trying to achieve. I'm someone who feels like you don't have to cut anything out unless you have you know, an allergy or something to it where that food would actually cause you harm. But I'm of the mind that you don't have to cut anything out. You can find a place for everything in there. It's more about changing our thinking as opposed to changing our practices. Now, you mentioned how there are food limitations for certain people in certain groups. Why don't you think that people don't take into consideration food deserts that exist? That's a really good question. Um, I think it's a complex answer, but I think the biggest part of it is that 
they don't live in those food deserts because they've never experienced it. To them, it doesn't exist. So they don't, when someone says, I I can't get healthy food, I don't have the money or I don't have the access, they see it as an excuse as opposed to a legitimate reason. And so there's, that's when they come to the conclusion telling people, well, you're just lazy or you're just coming up with excuses. You can do this. You just don't want to do this. And it, it, it's undeniably not true. Food deserts exist everywhere all over the United States. There isn't really any place that is exempt to that. But because we're of the mind where we tend to say, this doesn't apply to me, so it can't apply to them, I think that's where people get into that false thinking of they are this way just because they don't want to, because they're lazy. They don't understand that it's because they can't. When we come back from break, I want to discuss lies and <laughs> the food lies, just lies in general, and the lying liars who tend to lie. You are listening <laughs> to the Black Tuesday podcast on the FBC Radio Network. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. We are back with the Black Today podcast, Terrence Biggs. See here. See, now, lying. One of the things that I caught while perusing your timeline was your take on BMI. First, can you explain what BMI is and why you think it's an antiquated, archaic, and flawed system of health measurement? Yes. BMI stands for body mass index, and its original use was to determine the average body fat percent in large groups of people. And when I say large groups of people, I'm talking like 500 to 1,000 people, so extremely large groups of people. And the, the basis of how BMI is supposed to work was that when you have these large groups of people, if you take their height and weight, divide them by each other, the number that you come out with is their average body fat percent. And when it comes to averages, we know there will always be people above it and there will always be people below it. But when you're looking at large groups of people, the average is fine. That's an easy number to work with. The problem with working with an average, such as BMI, is that it does not work and it does not apply to individuals. So a, a person with a BMI of, let's say, 35, which would be considered high because 18 to 24.9 is normal, um, 
a person with a BMI of 25, or excuse me, 35, would then be considered obese. But it does not take into account muscle mass. It doesn't take into account um, water weight. It doesn't take into account bone mass. It doesn't take into account any other diseases or illnesses that may complicate their ability to gain or lose weight. It is literally just height and weight. BMI does also have a history in eugenics, and it was primarily used as um, a way to discriminate against Jews, people of color, and other minorities of the time, Um, especially during World War II when um, Nazi Germany was trying to determine which people were going to experiment on. BMI was one way they could do that. They could look at somebody's BMI, say it's outside of normal, and here we go. This person is now my next experimental subject. So I have a lot of issues with using BMI. I especially don't like that it's just subjective. It just gives you a general number and says, these are the numbers we want you to be with, quote, unquote, you know, like ideal body weight. We want you to fall within ideal body weight. Ideal body weight is very unattainable for, I would say, most people. When I have clients, ideal body weight does not apply to probably 90 to 95% of them. It's just an extremely low number that doesn't take into account someone's body makeup. The same goes for BMI. I think that they are ridiculous standards that we try to hold people to without taking into account any factors related to their life whatsoever. And humans are so complex and our lives are so varied and different from each other. I don't think that's I think we need to take into account all of those things, as well as what's this person's goal. This person might not want to be stick thin. They might not want to have an ideal body weight of 105 pounds because that's not what works for them. And I don't think it's fair that we say, but this is what this number says you have to be, and now we have to hold you to it. And so I don't like it. For me, it's it's funny because I just looked at mine. I'm like, I'm supposed to weigh 189 pounds. I play football the majority of my life and play other sports, and I look at my frame. Mm, I don't see it. And that would <laughs> that would have I would pretty much have to lose 70 pounds, and I'm like, what would that look like as far as my own physical health? That's a lot of weight, and that's. I don't like people tend to flock the BMI as a end all be all, and like you said, there is a eugenic type of approach to it, and that leads me to my next thought. Because, like I said, I didn't have any questions for you; I just got top of my head. But my next thought was public perception of size and fat phobia. Why do you think that? See, I can explain this. Why do you think that if people have an issue with someone they don't like, their size is the first thing they go towards as far as uh, an attack? Because it's easy, honestly. And I do tend to be of the opinion that when you begin to insult someone just based on the way they look, it's a signal that your argument doesn't really have any standing behind it. You're just looking for an easy way to make that person hurt. Um, And that was one of my big issues with 
politics is that I really, really can't stand um, people like Donald Trump, Ted Cruz and that. But I am still 100% against using the way they look to judge them and insult them because that has no bearing on any of the negative things, that the horrible things that they have done to our nation over the last several years. And calling them fat or calling them ugly or petty insults like that just means you have, to me, just means you don't have anything else that you can criticize them on, so you're going for the easy. And that doesn't work. That doesn't prove your point. People don't listen to you because you're calling somebody else names. People listen when your argument has basis and fact and you have the ability to to support what it is you're saying and back it up with information. And so I just think it's an easy target, and when people feel like they're faltering, that's the first thing they'll go to. For me, I when I criticize Ted Cruz, I criticize you know things that he can control, like his hair, like that mullet. <laughs> he did that's a purposeful choice of his. You can't criticize or the shirt he was wearing. There's basically things that you can control. You people don't really understand that weight comes with. You don't know if the person has a condition that causes them to gain weight, things like that. And with Trump, that's the one thing I never jumped on because it's it's awkward and it's wrong. Like mm-hmm. he would do it and he has done it, but the man was a misogynist, a bigot, a xenophobe who has a litany of sexual assault allegations against him. Why not focus on that? And I use Sarah Sanders as an example. Sarah Sanders, former press secretary, lied her ass off. Lied, Mm -hmm. lied. Every word that came out of her mouth was a lie. If if she coughed, I would look for verification just to make sure. Mm -hmm. But yet the first thing that people would critique was her size like you can critique the makeup because that's her choice it was not great makeup and people could have stayed with that fact and moved on but they it was her size and it just it's it's surprising the number of fellow liberals that would immediately go right there but if you call them on they're like well you know he would say about me people have said hellacious things about me as far as my ethnicity but yet you don't see me slurring them because of theirs. There's that hypocrisy where not saying you got to rise above or take the high road, but when in politics there are so many people to critique things like their approach, their words, and I think that too many times people get caught up in stupidity. When we come back from break, we're going to have a little fun. Ooh, okay. We're going to have a little fun. We're going to have a game of this or that and just I'm going to think about what to say next. You are listening to the Black Tuesday podcast on the FPC radio network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We are back with the Black Tuesday podcast on IPC Network. Terrence Biggs. See, see, we talked about a lot of heavy issues, like, Profound issues. Now we get to the fun part. We're gonna talk about food. Like I love food. I mean, I'm a food snob. What is your strongest food take that most people disagree with? Ooh. Um, oh my gosh. Okay. It's not necessarily food. It's a drink. But coffee smells like tuna, and I hate it. Oh, I've heard this one, and we've we've discussed this. Um, wow! Like just hearing it again, because I would I read it the first time, but I heard it this time. It I need explanation on this one. I mean, like, how do I? There's nothing to explain. Like when I smell coffee, I smell tuna in a can, and I can't. I like tuna. I mean, I I eat it frequently because it's a really easy meal but when it's coming to something you're supposed to drink I don't want to smell tuna and for the longest time when I lived with my parents when I would wake up in the morning and walk downstairs I would always say why does the kitchen smell like tuna because I knew that they weren't eating it for breakfast but that was constantly what was what I was smelling and they I mean they looked at me like I had absolutely lost my mind I mean they had no idea what I was talking about and I finally figured out it was coffee when coffee is being brewed, it smells like tuna to me, and like it's just it's repulsive. So, so that is my wildest beverage take. I'm not sure if I have a wild food take, but definitely for beverage, that's it. Now, sometime today, there will be me in my kitchen opening a bag of coffee and opening a pouch of tuna. I'm gonna close my eyes and see if I can see if it, like I, I can tell if I can if I can kind of see the parallel because now I'm now I'm intrigued by it. My wildest food take is not really wild, but it's pretty much my iron-fisted hardcore stance on one thing: ketchup belongs on nothing. <laughs> I, I agree that it has its limitations, but I am one of those people where I do like to put ketchup on my eggs. Oh no! <laughs> ketchup to me is the worst condiment for the simple fact that it's just bland tomato failure. And I've always <laughs> said if I wanted to 
you know, interact with failure. I have siblings that I could call. But it oh, it just people chide me for the simple fact, oh, it belongs on fries. Ooh, ask me what to put on fries. I'll put on tzatziki sauce or barbecue sauce on fries or mm-hmm. nothing on fries if they're seasoned right. Old Bay. Old Bay makes a hot <laughs> sauce. There you go. But ketchup, now the ketchup on eggs as mm, as that is, <laughs> one of my, speaking of my siblings, one of my siblings, when we were kids, because he's like 10 years older, and even at family get-togethers, he would put ketchup on his steak off the grill. And see, I am not going to lie to you. I remember sitting there, and our father was watching this in horror. Like his eyes, big as saucers, his mouth agape. Looks at my brother, who raised you? Me, smartass at the time. Well, you did. Father looks at me. He's like, I, 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 and looks at my mother because they were, they were split. They, they, they were split. Looks at her. Looks over my shop, Pat. That's my mother's name. Who taught this boy this nonsense? <laughs> she looks. She walks over. Looks down. There is a steak. There is a lagoon of ketchup. You can barely see. It looks like a crime scene and not a plate. He has doused this perfectly cooked steak in ketchup. As petty as it sounds at that moment, for a myriad of reasons of very little respect for my you know my siblings in general but this was this had started the chain of events that <laughs> oh this is this is what we're doing now with with just a nicely grilled steak and he will put ketchup on just about anything nachos see are one of your no it is your favorite meal true yes very true dietitian approved i've seen him and I, I remember this placing ketchup on nachos. Mm, that is a sin. And there's that visceral part of me that wanted to fight. Like we <laughs> we need to take this outside. Like I was it, ready to throw hands. It is a crime against humanity. Yes. Now, moving from bad food takes to bad music takes. What is your strongest music take? That the one thing that you like that most people don't. Um, ooh, that's another really good question. You sound surprised. I, I would <laughs> guess, it's that I still, all these decades later, still really enjoy emo mu- music. Oh, no. And I think it's just because it reminds me of college, and yeah, I mean. College definitely had its low points, but I have a lot of good memories of college, and I, I think that's why. I don't I don't know for sure, but like I discovered the emo radio station on satellite radio, and I listened to it probably way more often than necessary. What would you What bands would you consider falling under the emo umbrella? Um, bands like Dashboard Confessional, Taking Back Sunday. 
um, early Fallout Boy. Oh, brand new. Like all those all those bands where it sounds like someone is whining and crying at the same time. <laughs> yes. I love it. <laughs> I have a dashboard confessional confession. There you go. The lead singer is from the town I went to, I went to school in and I went to elementary and high school with his with his first cousin. I remember the lead singer like as a child. <laughs> That's amazing. Years later, I didn't think about it until I saw an interview. I'm like, wait a minute. Oh, I know that dude. And Fall Out Boy or who was the other one? Um, the I Write Sins, Not Tragedy people. Uh, Panic at the Disco. Panic at the Thank you. I can't think of it. Like To me, they run hand in hand because I remember Fall Out Boy was like dance, dance. You couldn't go to a bar. You couldn't go to a park mm-hmm. you couldn't go anywhere without hearing dance dance and seeing like various people just lose their collective minds and <laughs> just groove to it I'm like really this is what we're doing and it is for me I always thought evil music was it was different it was you know it was it was better than like Yellow Card or bands like that where you're like, or like Maroon 5, just, it was better than that. <laughs> where you see Maroon 5 was like mom music where you're in like the bad minivan and you see, you know, people are grooving to Adam Levine. Now, <laughs> what is your strongest movie or TV take? I gotta hear this one because I'm still stunned about the ketchup on eggs. <laughs> um, I, I can't say I have as many opinions about movies. I don't like war movies, um, and it's not because of, like, all the action and everything. It's because if they are based on real life, it makes me too sad, and I will think about them for days, even weeks, and I will just feel constantly sad about it. So I tend to stay away from war movies or movies based on real life that kind of have that drama, um, that drama feel to them, just because I personally can't handle it. But with TV, I feel very strongly about reality television. It is trash, it is garbage, and it does not belong in my house. (laughs) I have strong TV opinions, less so about movies. Now... One of the things I I'm not a reality TV fan. Like years ago, I watched the first season of The Bad Girls Club because let's let's, let's just be honest, the mid 2000s were a a blur of <laughs> wild things that happened for yours truly. So we're just gonna fast forward to that part. But The Bad Girls Club was just pretty much intoxicated ladies who displayed bad behavior and ill-fitting clothes and who fought all the time. And it's funny because I look at, was it the Paramount Network, which is like the CBS streaming app, whatever. They're doing mm-hmm. a 30th anniversary of the first reality show, The Real World. They have the mm-hmm. old cast back. And I remember the first season where the first season of The Real World was boring. 
<laughs> because it was not scripted and it was just people kind of hanging out, having a regular conversation and like talking. And they had a couple of fights here and there, but it was just people sitting in like a loft in New York, you know, kind of just chill with some flannel on and just kind of doing their own thing. But years later, they have the same cast back and it's just people now in their, I guess they'd be in their 50s, Lord. And <laughs> it'll be interesting to see how things have changed because that show gave birth to anything from Temptation Island to who wants to marry a millionaire or some kind of nonsense. Mm-hmm. And I used to watch the game show, the, the reality game show. There was one called Dog Eat Dog. I'm not sure if you remember it, but they had the mm-hmm. contestants undergo physical tests. That one guy submerged in water for a couple of minutes, and he actually suffered brain damage. And they actually mm-hmm. canceled the show, and, they, and his family sued the NBC. It's one of those things that people are like, oh, I, I like to turn my mind off and listen and watch trash TV. I'm like, uh, I like to turn my mind off and just go my ass to sleep. <laughs> yeah, there are other things I'd rather be doing. Now, For me, reality right. television seems to reward terrible behavior, and it, it makes it seem cool and popular, and that's my problem with it. I, I feel like it encourages people to be awful to each other. And I don't like that. And I I find myself, like I'm living with my parents right now and my mom enjoys some reality television shows. And I, I find myself yelling at the TV way more often when those reality shows are on because I'm appalled at how awful these people are being to each other. But it's encouraged because that's what gets ratings and gets people to watch. And so I, I find myself yelling at them <laughs> as if they could hear me to tell them how awful they are. And I don't like that. I don't like feeling like that rage when I watch TV. I want to feel relaxed. And I want that mindless feeling, but that reality TV does not give me that. I agree. See, I want to thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Black Tuesday Podcast. This is this has been, honestly, rather groundbreaking. I, Like I said, I have no <laughs> notes. And everything I said just jumped off the top of my brain. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been another episode of the Black Tuesday Podcast. Be good to yourselves. Be good to each other.